This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala here too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? It's a new year, and I'm in the studio while I'm back from my holidays and grinding away at work. My media bestie, Sarah Nangama, she's located in a tropical uh, location, Fiji. Sarah, what are you doing? Why are you with me? Well, Bulbi Nakadin and Bulla to all of our listeners. I'm sure it's not too late to say Happy New Year. But yes, I join our show today from the beautiful islands of Fiji. I got here last week uh, to actually commentate the coming Coral Coast 7s. So I've just packed on an extra you know, four or five days at the beginning of work. I say work, (laughs) (laughs) Um, to just come and hang out with family and be, and it's actually been so incredible and refreshing, but I feel so spoiled that I'm here on work, but having so much fun at the same time. Yeah, I've been following your your Insta stories and um, I was somewhat jealous that I was packing my bag for work uh, yesterday and just seeing you having fun and yes, looking like you're enjoying the time with family. Um, So a little bit jealous, but that's cool. You've earned it and good luck. Oh, well, thanks, my friend. Well, look, we've got a jam-packed show for you this week. We chat with retired Wallaroo and a friend of the show, Elisa Vabatwasanga. We head back into another week of You Can Ask That because it's the pre-season season and there's a bit to uncover. Hala, we've spoken about it just briefly, but take us into what it was like to just have a bit of a break. Yeah, it was good. I Obviously, I always talk about my family and it was good to get some downtime. We, we shut down at work early in or mid-December and um, basically just spent Christmas spoiling the kids, um, giving them Christmas presents. Santa, you, I, I mentioned before the break that my, my young fella, Louie, had learned how to ride a bike. So Santa was well aware of that and brought him a bike. So he um been tearing up and down the street all day on his bike. We went down the coast for a bit of a getaway and um, the whole time we're down there, same thing. Just uh, He ended up, you know what he did? We were in this car caravan park and he just would ride around the street that we we're on and just make friends with all the kids in all the caravans but he latched onto these like girls that would have been about 15 or 16 up the road from us <laughs> and he just he'd go every day he goes i'm just going up to see my friends i go what do you mean your friends and he goes up there i look up and he's just up there hanging out with a, like a group of 15 year old girls i'm like louis come back mate you, they're gonna get annoyed with you he goes no no i'm, I'm teaching i'm teaching them how to ride a bike it's all good <laughs> so yeah. Long live King Louis. Yeah, Long live King, King Louis. He's the king. What about your break, Sarah? How was your Christmas and New Year's? Oh, I've actually had such a good break. I was so adamant to have a summer in Sydney just because I spent so much time on the road this year with footy and work. And genuinely, it was the best because most people like to leave Sydney to escape to better and brighter places. But that just means that finding a car spot is easier. That means that the beaches are a little bit more accessible and the weather was fabulous. So I really just used the time to do a lot of nothing except tick over my preseason work and um, sleep. I have been loving the naps. I'm a big fan, <laughs> big, big fan of the naps. They are good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm starting to gear up for, for a big 2023 of work. And, um, yeah, if I mean the first week of work is in Fiji, I can't complain really. Not at all, not at all. Now, you've got a shout-out to give. Yes, I certainly do. Now, this bloke is someone that has been listening to our show closely. His name is Richard. And on the back of my story, um, telling everyone about how this man kind of asked whether I had 
a job in commentary purely because I was a female. Richard replied to me. No, he didn't reply to me. He sent me an email to say that um, he, he totally disagrees with that bloke and um, kind of gave me some words of affirmation and, and um, just made me feel really good. So, Richard, I just want to say thank you so much, one, for being such a great listener of our show, but also taking the time um, to email me because the headspace was in a little bit of a sticky situation, but it's just so pleasing to know there's some diamonds in the rough, which you certainly are. So, yeah, shout out to Richard. And on the back of that, Hala, I'm saying a lot of on the back of that, on the back of that, <laughs> but something I absolutely need to say from the rooftops is you and I are on the come up here in the Fiji Islands. I come off the plane at Nandi Airport and lo and behold, what's on a billboard? Me and my media bestie, <laughs> Dean Hallatow. And then I come out of the airport and lo and behold, there we are again. And then I come again into Suva, which is the capital of Fiji, and we're right in the middle of town. It's been incredible. We are on billboards here in Fiji and it just makes me so proud to be a host of this show alongside you. It's awesome. Oh, it's the first time I've ever, ever been on any advertising or on a billboard. So pretty stoked to be on there alongside you, Nelly. Uh, sorry, Sarah, but we have to thank Nelly as well, our producer, for making sure that that can happen. Absolutely. And also a huge shout out to ABC and whoever was involved in that campaign because it's just so cool and actually fills me with so much pride as well as my family um, to see us um, showcased in such a way. Yes, certainly does. Now on to sport. So we've had a bit of a break. It's time to get back into some sport and um, some good news for the Women's World Cup, which is approaching um, here in Australia and in New Zealand. It's it's upcoming. There's uh, been some announcements, uh, some announcements, I should say, for referees out of New Zealand, which is awesome. Yes, there has been. New Zealander Anna Marie Keeley has been appointed as a referee for this year's Women's Football World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. And joining her also will be Maria Salat Messina from Samoa, who has been chosen as an assistant referee to round out the Oceana representatives. This is so, so cool to be able to see Pacifica women take up places um, in, in roles as such, like to be a referee and you are the, the, the chairman of the Referees Association. Um, but we are severely under, not severely, but we are, underrepresented and it's just incredible to see um you know these two women being appointed to such huge monumental tournaments yeah and and they'll be great role models too for aspiring referees and and something that we always talk about is um creating pathways for um all different roles within sports and and refereeing is something that probably gets overlooked and and i know i'm the the chairman and president of the referees association uh, wherever it goes but um it's it's great that um they'll be on the world stage and and creating those i guess yeah aspirational um roles for for other young girls and, and women to get into refereeing absolutely well said now Something a little different this week. There hasn't been a lot of sport on um, for us to cover, but uh, it's a new year. It's 2023, and there's plenty on the calendar coming up. And something that our producer Nelly has asked us to do is to, to pick our top five sporting events or sporting um, occasions or moments that we're looking forward to this year. And Sarah, do you want to start us off? Well, I've um and I've ahed and I've just sat on this thought. And um, look, there are five things that I just can't look past and I know are going to be incredible for us this year. The first one has to be the NRLW expansion. Uh, the competition currently has six teams, but as of this year, four new teams will join, including the Canberra Raiders, Cronulla Sharks, North Queensland Cowboys and West Tigers. Now, this 
can't or this hasn't just happened overnight. This is, I guess, um, it complements the strong pathway programs that the NRL currently have in place and the strong participation numbers um, that have steadily grown over the years. So it's just so cool to be able to see more women playing um, a code, even though it's not my own. We celebrate women where we can and whenever we can. And um, it's just amazing to know that there'll be more girls playing on footy. And the best thing is it'll be widely broadcasted across our very own ABC, which they always do, um, as well as Nine and Fox. So, you know, the more that young girls can see girls playing footy, the better it is for the growing of, for the growing? Is that good English? For That's good English, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for the growing of the game. Yeah, for the growing of the game. So, yeah, this is um, really cool because over 11 weeks we'll see the girls in action on telly and, you know, kind of playing over our radio waves and uh, what more can you ask for? Well, funnily enough, Sarah, that's my number one as well, the NRL expansion, NRLW expansion, I should say, something that I'm really looking forward to in 2023. And for the reasons that you mentioned, like the, the expansion in terms of the number of teams means that there's got to be more games played. So there's a longer season. Last year was a real test for the for all the players in the NRLW. They had to have two back-to-back seasons with their state-based competitions in the middle and representatives. So I think a a bit more, um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but a, a little bit more routine and knowing what's coming up and not having to frantically squash everything into one year, it's going to be a more structured season. And I think we're going to see some really good rugby league because last year it was a really entertaining competition. Um, you know, a couple of the, the heavyweights um, sort of drifted away. I think the, the talent got evened out and I think we're going to see that again this year. I, I love that the West Tigers um, have a team. They, they won the, uh, the New South Wales State-based competition last year so I'm hoping that they can follow that success through um, but that's at the top of my list as well what's your second Sarah uh, my second has to be the men's rugby world cup the stage is set for the biggest talent across the or biggest talents I should say across the world to all come together in France at the time of recording is about 241 days away from this tournament kicking off which is incredible there'll be 20 teams across four pools in France like bougie bougie as hell, but it's so, so exciting. I feel like, you know, because I do commentary for Rugby Union, everything's always in the lead up to the World Cup and we're now in a World Cup year. So I think because that competition sits at the end of this season, it's just going to make Rugby Union even more competitive and much more entertaining to watch if it wasn't already. So that to me is super, super exciting. And also because now I've played in a World Cup and familiar with what that preparation is like, what that setup is like, you know, working your way through the pool, looking at points, et cetera, um, because I have a grasp on, you know, how the tournament works. It makes me feel a little bit more excited um, to, to look forward to the tournament. Yeah, no doubt. That will be a, um, a good one to watch. And I, I know I, I, I talk about my code rugby league all the time, but I am looking forward to the Rugby World Cup as well. Yes. And you're going for Australia, who are in Pool C, right? I'm going for the All Blacks, sorry. Well, you know what? Funny you say. Not funny you say because it's the truth, but – France and New Zealand is the opening match of the Rugby World Cup, so that'll be pretty hectic. Pretty pretty good start, that one. <laughs> what about you? What's sitting in number two? Number two for me is the NRL um, seasons for the Bulldogs and the West Tigers. Obviously, my two old teams, uh, they've had some pretty difficult years, some lean years in terms of success and, and wins and whatnot, but they've both been um, heavy on the recruitment drive, and they've also got new coaches, and there's a lot of hope 
coming out of Belmore and coming out of Concord. And um, I guess for the Bulldogs, the, the main signings that I, I think are going to be really impactful, Reed Marnie from the Parramatta Eels and Viliami Kikau from the Penrith Panthers, I think they're just going to add so much um, to what they already have. They, they, obviously, they got um, Josh Adokar across last year and um, they've got some really quality players in amongst the squad. And I think they're just going to complement that and have a much better year under Cameron Serraldo, um, the new coach. So, that's one for the Bulldogs, the Tigers, um, who have uh, got the honour of having the wooden spoon from season 2022. Uh, they've got another team to contend with this year, so they could finish worse than 16th, which is a scary thought. But I'm hopeful because Tim <laughs> Sheens has taken the reins. He's got Benji Marshall assisting along with uh, Robbie Farrar, and uh, they've also bought pretty well in the off-season. Uppy Coruscant, he's come across from the Penrith Panthers, who I think is, is if not... Oh, he's, he's up there with the best hookers in the competition, if not the best. And um, I think he's going to provide plenty of leadership around the middle. Isaiah Papali'i from the Parramatta Eels has come across. He had a great season in 2022 on their run to the grand final. So I think he's going to add plenty. Um, and they've got so much youth um, and experience coming through. John Bateman's another one that they've signed from England. So Tigers and Bulldogs to push forward and hopefully be in the top eight this year. Boosh, you heard it here first. That would be incredible if they do. That would be a turnaround. And then it would speak to the volume, or it would speak volumes of how important it is to have a good roster. Certainly will. Now, Sarah, number three on your list. Well, I'm going to shift mine because I did have another NRL related one, and it has to be the inclusion of the Dolphins. This will be their inaugural year in the NRL competition. There's been a lot of chat, particularly towards the back end of last season when signings were happening. But I think it's really cool that there's still space within the men's game to grow it even more so. And we don't know what it's going to look like, but we know with the likes of Anthony Milford, Rob Jennings and Jesse Bromwich in it, bringing some experience under Wayne Bennett, I think will be a huge boost to the side. We've got three trial matches um, to look forward to, which will give us a glimpse of what we can expect from them. And they'll take place throughout February against Capra Cowboys and the Titans. So I think once we have a look at how they come together as a team after a strong preseason and how they fare throughout their trial matches, it'll give us a good indication of what we can expect from them from the 2023 season. Master coach Wayne Bennett, he's got to pull something out for them. I think they'll have a better season. He's going to. Don't sleep on them, man. We know that. We know that. Yeah, well, I I agree. My third is the Pacific Games, which are going to take place in the Solomon Islands later this year. Um, it's it's going to be good to see 24 nations, I believe, competing. Is it 24 nations? No, it's more than that. It's 24 events, I should say, 24 events, um, but a number of Pacific nations competing. Um, it, it will be a huge, huge event. Uh, world event and I'm looking forward to it just to see athletes out in force. They've been able to prepare a bit longer. It was pushed back. It was supposed to be played earlier in the year, but it got pushed back because of um, the lack of lead-in time in terms of preparation. So we're going to see some well-honed athletes competing in all the different events and Rugby League Nines is going to be played at it as well, which is which is pretty cool to see that played at an international game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we must be in tune because that was my next one was the Pacific Games. Um, for the reasons that you mentioned, I'm looking forward um, to it. But I guess it's also worth mentioning that this is the first time for the Solomon Islands to host these games, which would be a huge boost for them in terms of tourism and the people that they attract. But it's just so exciting to know that our Pacifica athletes will have an opportunity to compete on a world stage. And when it's hosted on the islands, I feel like it just brings a whole different energy. So 
19th of November to the 2nd of December, this competition will run. So a bit of time to go, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of qualifying events in the lead up to, which we will cover throughout this, uh, throughout this year. We will. Now, my fourth one uh, is the US Masters. This might bore a lot of listeners. It might bore yourself, uh, Sarah, and you, Nelly, because um, I'm, I'm a bit of a golfing fan, undercover golfing fiend. I love it. And the US Masters is probably, the, of all the four majors, it's probably the um, most iconic one. It's played at Augusta, Augusta National every year, the same course. It's the only major that's played at the same course. But I've got a hope for Tony Finau to, to win a tournament this year. He's, he's Tongan and um, he's... Uh, quite a good golfer and he's won I think he won four or five tournaments last year so he's really starting to establish himself and I think um, that he's got a major in his sights and I'm hoping that it's the US Masters because it is so prestigious and and just watching last year Tiger Woods made a return uh, in the US Masters and obviously one of the biggest names in the sport he didn't have a great tournament but to see him return from his car accident and at least compete there was was pretty cool um, but yeah I'm I'm behind Tony Finau to get a um, to get a major at the US Masters that would be so unreal if he's able to come through with that but super super exciting for him regardless um, I guess my fifth and final one has to be Super Rugby Opiki, which is the Premier 15s Women's Competition for Rugby Union in New Zealand. The rugby landscape is set to be alight by uh, the talent that they have in that country. And I'm really excited to be heading across the ditch to join Matatu in the South Island. Um, so much to look forward to. If you think about the context of women's rugby and where it was this time last year, compared to now where we've just come off the back of the World Cup where New Zealand was the hosting nation. I think there's a real fire in the bellies of those who have been selected to play. I guess, not I guess, I believe there are about 105 contracted players um, spread across the Blues, the Chief, Hurricanes and my my team. It's safe to say my team, um, Matatu. So super, super exciting to head over there to compete with some of the world's best and uh, see what New Zealand rugby has got to offer. We look forward to getting your insights every week on uh, how it's unfolding. I think the first few weeks I'll be like, I'm so tired. They're flogging me. <laughs> but no, lots to look forward to. What about you, Hala? What's uh, the final thing that you're looking forward to? Final to thing. Start? Final thing for me, Sarah, it's coming up only uh, in nearly a month now, and it's the Super Bowl in the NFL, which I know I talk a lot about my fantasy football and, and all that, which I lost in every comp, by the way, since we've we've been on break. I, <laughs> yeah, so big waste of time. Got a little bit of um, prize money for coming third in one of them, but who cares about third? Anyway, so the Super Bowl's on. <laughs> In Glendale, Arizona uh, on February 12th, uh, which would be Monday here in Australia. Um, but um, yeah, it's such a big event, the Super Bowl. Looking forward to what the halftime show is and and what's that going to dish up. And um, yeah, the NFL Super Bowl, one of the – I don't know how you call them world champs because it's only played – that competition's only played amongst the North American um, teams or the United States team. But anyway, it should be good. Nonetheless, Rihanna is uh, performing as well. Who Who doesn't love Rihanna? I love Rihanna. She's she's so hot. But that's that's we're not talking about that. That's not the point of this segment right now. Well, I guess it's safe to say there is lots to look forward to this year. Yeah, there certainly is. Now, anyone listening out there, do you agree with what um, we've thrown up as our best? Uh, if you don't, send us a message on our Instagrams at Sarah Ngama or at Dean Hullitow, and uh, we might give you a shout out on our show. Talanoa time. 
on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa Time, we are very lucky to be joined by Iliseva Batipasanga. For those who are not familiar with who she is, she's Wallaroo number 87. She made her international debut at the 2006 World Cup in Canada, has made 27 appearances for the Wallaroos, which also includes three World Cup appearances. And last year, you would have remembered, we spoke of her as she announced her international retirement from the international fold. Iliseva, welcome back to Can You Be More Pacific? Hi, Dean. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, Illy, it's, uh, you know, it's fair to say that you are absolutely a friend of this show. And I guess the top thing that we kind of want to cover off is your international retirement, which made airwaves in December. Can you take us, um, I guess, into that decision and I guess how life has been since then? Yeah, look, um, it obviously it wasn't an uh, easy decision. Um, I initially made it in 2021 the start of when the rugby world cup was supposed to happen but that kind of foiled my plans um because covid covid happened and that postponed our world cup for another year so i was kind of stuck in two minds of do i retire in 2021 without doing the world cup or do i push on and for one more year and crack on to the World Cup in 2022 and I decided on the latter and I'm more than proud of myself and my country and my team for, for doing for doing that um, and it's at the end of the World Cup I was like oh okay now I actually have to make a decision am I going to retire now or see what happens next year and I had a bit of a vibe over over in New Zealand and it was kind of pulling at the heartstrings a bit. So when I got back from New Zealand, I called on my nephew, Lottie Tongiri, um, because I wanted to see what his feelings were having made the decision from retiring from the Wallabies. And it was really comforting to know that we were feeling the same thing. He just said to me, look, I'm not going to make any decision for you, but you, when you know, you'll know it's time. And I think that that really helped me um, pull the decision and, and retire. Well, I can imagine it would have been um, – I was going to ask what the experience of the 22 World Cup or going into the postponed World Cup with the idea previously that you were going to retire from internationals, but – if you if you go in with kind of like a renewed sense of oh, I can keep playing and then I'll make another decision after that, uh, what yeah. was that that World Cup like for you to be going into that knowing that you were going to make a decision last year, but then you're here and maybe you can keep going? Um, yeah, I, as I said, I was at the end of the World Cup. I was really proud of myself for for pushing ahead and making that decision to go ahead, um, but then during the World Cup, it was kind of surreal knowing that it was going to be my last because I could see stages of my career within the girls who I was travelling with. So I, you, you have debutantes, first-timers of a World Cup and the excitement that they showed and shared was reminiscent of my first World Cup. And then you've got a couple of stayers there who, who've represented the Wallaroos for years and they're just consistent in how they perform and how they prepare themselves. And then, you know, you had a handful of us who were kind of teetering on, do I retire, do I not? And it was really 
comforting being with them as well because we had something to share whilst without um, tarnishing the excitement of the debutantes. So it was, I could see all stages of my career within that group and it was, it was, yeah, kind of surreal, but great at the same time. Yeah, that would have been cool to, to be able to sit above that and sort of see where everyone's at and know, I guess, what that experience is like. And to be able to share that that kind of experience is something that would have been invaluable to, to all the players. I guess in the, in the time since World Cup, what's it been like uh, for you? Do, do you get that sort of itch around maybe uh, you could flip the decision or anything like that, or you, you're more than comfortable that you've put it to bed and, and it's it's gone past? Uh, no, look, um, since coming back from World Cup, I've eaten and had a couple of beverages of whatever I wanted, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> um, but look, the love of rugby will never die. It's, it's, I believe it's genetic. So whether I come back in player, coach, mentor, skills coach form, I'm always going to be there and around the girls, especially my friends who have become family in the Wallaroos and Waratahs and, and Sydney Uni teams, like they know I'm only a phone call away. But pushing on to next uh, to this year, 2023, um, I've got my hand hand in the ha- in the ring for um, to make well, the Waratahs side. So final selections for that squad um, are at the end of Jan. So that's that's where we're on to next. Illy, looking at the current um, Waratah squad, yes, we know the squad is unconfirmed, but just looking at the faces around training, what do you make of how the game is growing in New South Wales? The game is growing fast. It's growing really fast. And I love the way our coaches, so Campbell, Sean and Sam, um, are taking on this team and giving us a sense of ownership of how we play. Um, so it's, it's keeping us as players accountable, especially the girls who have been there for a few years. It's giving, it's making it more exciting for us rather than turning up to training and doing the same old drills, the same old plays. Like it's making us read the games, watch other games and see what we can bring to our game to improve for this year. I definitely can attest to that, that the game has definitely come some way. And we're looking at Super W, which will now enter year six of the competition. What do you think needs to I guess, change to enhance, um, I guess, what the competition currently offers? Yeah, well, like in 2022, we saw the inclusion of the Fijiana Nandrua, um, which was epic. And whilst those five points in the final really broke my heart for the Waratahs women in keeping our winning streak alive, I was immensely proud of our little tiny island nation for achieving such a feat in showing what time and effort into a wins program does. Like they spent three months full-time together, training, eating, sleeping, breathing rugby, and look what they achieved. Like they, they knocked us off the top and they and they won the championship. So now they are, for now, the, the holders of the trophy. So moving forward... I would like, love to see the inclusion of other teams from the Pacific included into our Super W competition, just like the Super the Super Rugby Men's Comp. Um, so yes. he's, he's hoping in 2024 we can see the inclusion or the combination of Aussie and New Zealand teams at least. At the very least. Just can we include New Zealand, right? Please, yes. <laughs> 
Anyway, I just want to touch on that a little bit more. You are of Fijian heritage. Your father is from Matakula, which for any Fijian fan or follower or anyone who identifies as Fijian knows that that village in particular breeds rugby royalty. And you have a cousin who is joining the Waratahs this season. You have a very close, friend, uh, not friendship, but a close relationship with. Could you take us into uh, who that is and um, how excited he is to be back in the blue? Yeah, look, um, he's a he's a he's a little winger. You might know of him. It's Namani Nondolo. <laughs> he's just little, you know. Um, so little, no, like look, you. Eh? <laughs> honestly, no. It's fabulous to see him back back on Aussie shores um, after spending time abroad um, and building and making his little family um, in London and France and Japan and Christchurch. So. It's great to see him back on Aussie shores and back where it all began because um, he actually started his career in at the Waratahs. So to see him do full circle um, is quite exciting and I'm excited to see how he tramples over teams <laughs> this year. So, <laughs> um, and, and he's, he's um, excited to be back home as well, I believe. Um, he's also gone from you know the younger side of of the squad to the to the older head and mature side of the squad so um i've heard that he raises his eyebrows at some of the tunes that are selected during gym time so watch out for some more country vibes um seeping into the boys um gym times i, I would not want to argue with who's in control of the um <laughs> the music if, if he's there so uh, i'm sure they'll be hearing a lot more country elisabeth thank you very much for joining us on the show before we let you go. Obviously, Sarah mentioned before that we play a little game called Tip On. You're you're acutely aware of it. Hopefully, um, you know you can uh, do better than you did last time. I think you nailed it anyway. But um, oh, we've got some new questions. So, are you ready to play? All right, rip in. All right, the clock is on. Uh, what have you been binging on lately? Wine. <laughs> Wine. <laughs> what is your coffee order? Long black. Who is your most annoying teammate? Sarah Who's your sporting hero? My father. Uh, this this one's from Sarah. Do you fold or do you scrunch? I scrunch. I never got time for that. <laughs> what would be your wrestler entrance song? Uh, Pony by Genuine. Uh, what is the most used app on your phone? Instagram. Which teammate has the best fashion sense? Adiana Talakai. Which shoe do you put on first? <laughs> right. I think that was quick. Who do you play? Who would play? Uh, who would play you? Sorry, in a movie of your life. Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, what song do you like to play to make you feel good? Oh, my last one before you guys called was "Porch Swing Angel" by Muscadine Bloodline. I'm unfamiliar with that, Sarah. You're more I have no idea musical what the answer is, but I am it, loving your answers, Ely. That is so honest because <laughs> I know you. I know that they're all very honest answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Muscadine, Bloodline, Porch Swing Angel. It's a good chill-out song, especially after work. Okay, we'll write that one down. I have no idea what that song is. Oh, we learn something new every day, right? Yeah. Ely, it has been an absolute treat for us to have you back on the show. You have had such an incredible international career and um, I'm sure we'll see plenty of you, if not in a playing capacity, in some administration role because, like you said, rugby's in your genetics. 
Sure is. Thank you so much for having me on the show again, guys. Um, here's cheers to 2023 and make it be a good one. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? First, you can ask that for the year, and it's our favorite segment. We love getting into uh, some of the questions that our listeners have on what it's like to be a current or former athlete. Uh, And this year, well, this question, I I should say, comes at the perfect time because it is preseason time. Teams are returning from their Christmas break. Maybe they had a little bit too much Christmas pudding and consumed a few too many sports drinks. So uh, they're, they're well and truly preparing for, um, well, here in Australia, winter sports uh, start getting underway, particularly with rugby and, and rugby league, the, the codes that we love. And um, I guess the question that comes uh, via Instagram from Vince is, how do you cope with preseason? Now, Sarah, you're in the thick of it at the moment. So I'm going to throw to you straight away to take on Vince's question. Well, Vince, you've asked a question and it's very relevant to my life right now. But no, preseason is, uh, regardless of how you put it, for me, it's one of the most dreaded parts of the year. Like it's super exciting to get back into it. But the load is so different compared to the rest of the season. And I think in years gone by, I think have one too many sports drinks about every day of my break and then have too much work cut out for me when I come back to the training paddock. But the last few years I've been really diligent in completing any work that is assigned to us. And I guess currently at the minute I have a preseason schedule that's been prescribed to me from my team in Christchurch, Matatu. And Every it's very different to any other preseason I've done or off season. It's because each week, because I'm doing it remotely, I have K targets that I need to hit. And I realize that if I don't do the prescribed Ks for that day, I just leave too much work for the back end of the week. And then it just like throws my recovery out completely. So I guess to answer your question, how do you cope with preseason? Well, the way I've approached it is I need an off-season program. So when everyone is at home having time off or whatever, I absolutely need a program to kind of keep me on the straight and narrow. Tell me how many Ks I need to run. Tell me I need to hit the gym. Just tell me something so that I know when I come back, I won't be so far behind or I'll be on par with everyone else. So that's the first thing. My second thing would have to be setting mini goals and it's so important, I think, when you're pre-season and you feel so flogged and bogged down from all the hard work and how strenuous the sessions are, is that you find moments of enjoyment and that comes when you know you're doing really good work. And so the way I've approached it is just having mini goals. You know, that week it's it could be as simple as I want to hit my targets, um, my running targets this week or I want to do a Bronco and this is my time. Just like finding little things so that you know that you're also track. Um, yeah, tracking in the right direction. So give me an off-season program, help me set mini goals. And then the third one is, I guess, find a, a truth that kind of grounds you when everything feels a bit too much. And it could be a goal that you may have, which is, oh, I want to be selected, you know, personal. I want to be selected for the Wallaroos at the end of this season. So when the times get tough and you feel like the session is going forever, you kind of remind yourself of like, the bigger reason as to why you're working so hard and that kind of can give you a bit of clarity when your mind feels 
clouded with fatigue and excuses. So those would be um, my three top mechanisms or coping mechanisms when it comes to preseason. What about you, Hala? Because you would have had a couple in your time. It's not a coupler, many coupler. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've, I've gone through a preseason. Good advice, by the way, Sarah, because probably the biggest challenge that I remember from preseason is that you're training so hard and you're right that the load is so much higher than any other part of the year that there's no games on the weekend. So for any athlete, the competition is where the joy is, right? You, you, you train and you prepare so that you can win a game, uh, win a match, compete, win record, whatever it is, be selected, win records, all those sorts of things that is the payoff for competing in sport. You don't get it week to week in the preseason because it's all about training to prepare for what's coming up. And um, having those mini goals is a really good way to sort of compete with yourself and to have those little payoffs or rewards that you need from what you're doing so that you can, yeah, kind of process it a different way instead of just going, it's hard work, it's hard work, it's hard work, I'm not playing. Well, it's hard work, I'm getting a result, it's hard work, I'm getting a result. So there's always that little reward or carrot at the end of a week for you. I guess um, my coping was that I always felt really good and I I like your advice too about the off-season training program because – Many people will go through the off-season of like, I've got three weeks till we start pre-season. I'll start training at the end of this week. And then there's two weeks to go. You haven't started training. I'll start it next Monday. And then there's a week to go and you go, uh-oh, I better cram in lots of training so I can go day one of pre-season. But um, it's too late by that point, right? So doing that off-season prep can give you the confidence to go into pre-season. But I always liked get into December, having finished uh, like a six-week order, six or seven-week block before Christmas, and I felt so fit. Like I'd, I'd always feel my fittest at the sort of middle to end of December. So I'd go into Christmas break just feeling like I could maybe relax a little bit and enjoy a few days off, but I'd feel comfortable get up and, and rip in when I had to in that break because I was in such like good shape. And then knowing that we come on the backside of uh, Christmas, New Year's, and that the competition's only a month away or playing games is a month away, it's like a downhill run to the competition. So it was always um, just thinking about what's ahead and, and knowing that everything is making me feel better and preparing me for what, um, what I want to achieve in the competition. I love that insight. And I think one thing I want to add to it is that there was this concept that was introduced to me a few years ago by a a man named Peter Breen. He was one of our Wallaroos coaches back in the day and he now coaches in Otago in New Zealand. And he spoke about a training diary. And I've recently started it again this season where basically every day that you train, you write it down in a diary of what you did that day, I guess kind of rate how you felt throughout that session. Um, if you ha- if you did a skill session, where you went wrong, where you could go better, just, just making as many notes as you can. And you look back at it, you know, even in a month's time and see an accumulation of all your hard work and you, you can't help but feel an immense sense of satisfaction and pride that you actually worked really hard. So um, I definitely am bringing back my training diary this year and more so so that I have a reason to reflect. And, you know, when you feel, and it comes with being an athlete, the ups and downs of whether you feel good enough or not, that will be a some hardcore evidence that you've done the work. So um, yeah, just my little two cents there to add to the back of what you said. No, another gold nugget for you, Sarah. That's good. I love it. The training diary. Love it. Well, if you have a question, please feel free to send it to us on Instagram. You can contact me at Sarah Nangama and this bloke at Dean Hallatow. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. 
keeping it social. Now, I love social media, but for anyone that's new, Dean doesn't really like it, but this year is the year for change and he's about to make a comeback. So without further ado, we have scraped our brains, scared our phones and our feeds, and we've come up with our socials for the week. And my one, Paula, because I'm just going to shove my one in first. My one comes from the Female Athlete Project Instagram. They put up a video of this incredible athlete, Eleanor Patterson, during training where she was doing her drilling. So for anyone who's not familiar, you do drilling um, as part of your warm-up to kind of get you revved up, hyped up, warmed up for your session. And the way there were these hurdles that were set up and the speed her feet were moving at, like they they were making like this, I can't describe it than anything else. Like she was like chopping, her legs were chopping in the air. Chopping in the air over these hurdles, she looked so elite, she looked so athletic, she looked so talented and was also a reminder of how uncoordinated I am and how I could (laughs) never do something like that. So it was really, really impressive for me. Super coordinated. Like I I would kick the first hurdle trying to get over the top of it. I'd hit hit it midway, hurt my shin, call it a day. That's me done. No more drilling. No more drilling. But Eleanor, she shows us how it's done and she looks bloody incredible while she's doing it. Over at the Female Athlete Project Instagram, so listeners get over there and have a look. Yes. What about you, Hala? What did you find when once you blew the dust off your phone? I'll just go back. I don't hate social media. I just okay, I'm not I'm not very proficient at it. Now my post uh, is on Instagram, and it's from um, the Warriors. Uh, he's a middle forward, Jazz Tevanga. He's um, he's a really good player. Anyway, he's. Put a post up, a, a good friend of his, uh, unfortunately, has been diagnosed with cancer. And um, as a way of support, um, Jazz has thrown up, his name's Roman uh, Tuimata, by the way. Um, Jazz has thrown up a, a challenge um, to for everyone to go to his GoFundMe page and, and to help um, Roman as he tries to get through some chemotherapy and also um, to, to get some funding in his recovery. Now, Jazz is going to cut his hair so he's going to be um, have his hair shaved for the entirety of Roman's um, chemotherapy so he's, he's going to um, sport that hairdo with him and he's also going to raise money himself based on his stats uh, in his game so he's going to donate $10 for every tackle that he makes he's going to na- donate $1 for every meter and then $500 for every try he scores so it's going to cost him this season, um, Jazz Tevanga, but it's a great reason uh, to cost him. He actually had it a different way uh, in his original post. So he's put up a, a second post. He edited it because his original post had him um, donating like $100 per missed tackle and then $100 per penalty and then error. And I think he realized that he may come up with too many errors and penalties. So he's he's weird about it. I'm just joking, uh, Jazz. Um, don't hate me. But um, I think uh, it's a great cause. And uh, if you head over to Jazz's Instagram page, it's at J-A-Z-Z underscore T-E-V-A-G-A. You can follow the links to get to his GoFundMe page or to Roman's GoFundMe page. And a great cause and a great mate. What a legend. Love to hear it. In the run. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? Time for some tough headlines, Sarah, in, a, in the ruck. And 
I'll jump into the first one because it comes from the sport that I follow closely, the NFL, and what happened in the round 17 matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills, uh, one of the Bills' safeties, so he's a defensive player. His name's Demar Hamlin, um, and basically safeties sit behind the defensive line and they cover um, the pass receivers um, when the opposition team's throwing passes and attack. Uh, he's come up and made a tackle on a wide receiver for the Bengals, T. Higgins, and uh, from that tackle, he's copped a direct hit to the middle of his chest, and he's got up from the tackle and collapsed. So this, this has made news well right. I'll be surprised if our listeners haven't seen it, but um, DeMar suffered uh, an immediate heart attack in that in that event, and um, the game was stopped. The Bills uh, medical staff ran out onto the field and performed CPR on him. At that time, ambulances then came on the field, and they transported DeMar to the closest hospital. Uh, it was a university hospital, and where he received... Um, treatment and he was in obviously critical care uh, for a period there and um, luckily he's um, he's he's regained consciousness he's been moved away from there back to Buffalo to uh, to a hospital for ongoing care but he's um, been in communication with the team and he's um, he's also had um, some some videos and some some posts that he's that he's put out there so it's a great result uh, for someone that suffered such a severe um, Injury, but in their week eighteen match, the Buffalo Bills, um, you couldn't have scripted this any better. They they had uh, the kickoff reception, which was picked up by uh, Naheem Hines, and he's gone the length of the field to score a touchdown. As New England decided to defer after winning the toss, and here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield and down the sideline he goes. This is storybook, an opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin, and this place is absolutely going wild. Pretty awesome scenes, and it was a great touchdown, but, yeah, like you said, storybook. It was a great moment. So devastating for Demar, but to see his turnaround um, happen so so well and to know that he's recovering is actually, like, such a blessing and to never – it's just such a stark reminder how context sport can be so scary, but then you're just so thankful for the people that surround the game and help officiate it because they really are the difference. Yeah, and there's been a, a huge outpouring. He's actually got a, um, a GoFundMe page himself, Damar, for a charity um, that helps buy presents for for kids at Christmas time. And um, he had a goal on his GoFundMe page of, like, $2,500 when he first set this up a few years ago, and it's gone well past, I think, maybe $4 million, $5 million wow. in the time since his injury. So it's sort of spread like wildfire. As a show of support, I guess people around the world have just started donating to this GoFundMe page, and it's a it's a really um, nice nice thing that's happened out, out of such a tragic event that um, could have been much worse with the outcome. So um, good feels on on what's happening now with that. Uh, on to the next, the football in PNG. The PNG women's um, have gone through some. Uh, changes over recent times that we've covered in terms of coaching and whatnot, but uh, they're attempting to qualify for the upcoming Women's World Cup, uh, and it's going to start when they head over to New Zealand to participate in the Inter-Confederation Playoff, um, and, and there's been encouragement from their team manager, Deslin Sinu, for people to get behind and support the Papua New Guinea women as they embark on this journey to hopefully qualify for the World Cup. They've been working really hard, uh, and they head over, as I said, to New Zealand at the end of this month um they've got a fixture on the 19th against of february i should say against panama and um hopefully they can um get some good results and and as i said push for qualification for the fifa women's world cup super exciting to see them um i guess be part of this qualification process and hopefully so because 
I mean, just looking at the recent Men's World Cup, it was a little bit disheartening not to see any Pacific nations represented. But if the women's can put their foot in it um, throughout for this upcoming tournament, that would be so bloody exciting and rewarding for them. Exciting times ahead for the PNG women's football team now. Sarah, over to rugby. Plenty of news in rugby at the moment. Yes, it may be the off-season, but there is nothing off about the news that has made headlines this week. And the first one being Richie Mwanga, who has raised awareness around the all-black selection policy. Now, Mwanga has recently signed a contract to head over to Japan. Um, he secured a contract there. But I guess the, the controversy surrounding it is all-blacks cannot select players who do not play in a domestic competition. And we're seeing more and more players head overseas. So Richie has said out loud that New Zealand rugby should really reconsider the eligibility criteria that they have for their national team because if they don't, they are going to lose more and more players and the overall standard of the All Blacks, I guess, uh, style of play or I guess just the quality of, of their rugby is going to drop because they'll be missing some key players. Now, when you look at the reasons as to why players head overseas, I guess the biggest thing is the coin is good overseas and at the end of the day, yes, we love these athletes and they're incredible, but they also have an obligation to provide for themselves and their families. So it does spark a lot of controversy. I mean, we struggle with the same thing here in Australia with the get out law, but that is slowly, you would hope so, being amended. Um, because, yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense that countries don't select players who are eligible um, just because they play their, their, their domestic season abroad. So... Um, bit to munch over with that one. Yeah, certainly. And I, I get I get that allure to go overseas for those players and, and earn that money. But I also understand that domestic competitions need to have strength with their numbers. So for, the, for New Zealand rugby to be able to retain a number of their top line players in domestic competitions and in um, the super rugby competition would be a priority. And I, I guess a way to entice that is to align it with all black selection. But there's there's a, there's a good argument for what Richie's saying as well in terms of um, loosening it up because I don't think they're going to be able to stop it. No, they absolutely won't. But like you said, you can only hope that they can reconsider it. I mean, if they were to cap it, I mean, Australia currently allow three international players who don't play the domestic season back into the national side. If the All Blacks can adapt a similar policy, we'll just increase that number, double it, make it six or something. Yeah. I feel like there wouldn't be as much um, backlash from players. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Well, that brings us to the end of the show, but do not fear, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget, you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's all here. Love there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.